Welcome into the Grace One Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you so much for joining us. This is going to be a verse-by-verse edition with Rick Maynard. This is what we do. Once a week on the Grace One Daily Podcast, we just go through the Bible verse by verse, and we encourage you, we challenge you, get in the Word, man. It's great. So much good stuff there. So Rick Maynard is always taking us through. So Rick, thanks for just taking us through the Word week by week. Thank you for letting me do this. I'm getting more spiritual as the day, as the episodes go on. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know if I could be any more spiritual. So <laughs> we're just maintaining Yeah. It. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into it. We're All in right. 1 Kings. 1 Kings uh, 8. 20 and 21, and we're still in the middle of the dedication of the temple, the prayer of Solomon, uh, those kind of things. The Lord has kept the promise he made. I have succeeded my father, or David, my father, and now I sit on the throne of Israel, just as the Lord promised, and I have built the temple for the name of the Lord and the, the God of Israel. I have provided a place there for the ark in which is the covenant of the Lord that he made with our fathers when he brought them out of Egypt. So it's just a reminder uh, that God has kept his promise. I think all of us need to testify to that, yep. that uh, he's been the one of the old songs that I like is he's been faithful, you know, through the, through the years. Um, and so that's all it is here. And, and there could be a mistake here with um, he repeats the phrase I a lot. It says I, uh, have succeeded my father David. I sit on the throne. I have built the temple. I have provided a place. And this is not a bragging situation. You know, we say a lot, uh, there's, uh, you know, there's no I in team, and we shouldn't be saying, I did it, I did it, I did it. But, you know, Paul had to, uh, Paul got fed up with people uh, after a while, and he was like, let me, let me tell you what I've done. You know, let me tell you. Because sometimes, uh, well, even at, even as a pastor, and there's the old joke, you know, the pastor only works two days a week yep. or whatever. But um, it's a good job if you can get it. You well, know? yeah, I mean, <laughs> look at all the money you make too. I mean, not only that, but you get rich doing right. it. That's what's amazing. Yep. But uh, but you know the the I situation. There's nothing wrong with with speaking about the things you've done when it's been out of obedience, and that's what he's saying here. Uh, God told me to do this, and I have done it, and so none of us, whether it's Paul or any of us, we don't go around saying, well, now I gave this much money to the church last year, and I did this, and I did that, you know, in a, in a bragging, trying to impress people. But sometimes people make statements like, the pastor only works, you know, two days a week, and you want to stop there at some point when you're fed up with it. <laughs> you know, you stop and say, listen, let me tell you what I do. Let, mm-hmm. me, let me show you my calendar. Let me show you that, you know, I had to go here and I had to see this person. I had to do a funeral this week and I had to prepare sermons this week. And you start going over all those things and then somebody, oh, well, I'm, I just thought you just came on Sunday and preached, yeah. you know. And then you have a special And guest. that was back before there was podcast, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. yeah hey, now do you know how many you... podcasts I do a week? Jeez. Yeah, really. So, <laughs> so I think, you know, again, it's not bragging. And, and he's, we know because of the entirety of, of his prayer and dedication, we know that that's not his spirit. So it's one of those things you could pull that one verse out and say, oh, well, Solomon was a bragger about all the things he had done. He's not bragging. He acknowledges, if you read the rest of the story and the other scriptures, he's acknowledging that it was only with God's help that these things have been uh, done. And the, he mentions the ark here. The ark had not been in 
kind of what you'd say the final resting place for many years. And so uh, it's finally reached its final resting place in this, uh, in the temple, or yeah, the temple. 822, then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands toward heaven, and said, and let me read this before I read what he said in, in uh, Chronicles. And if you, re- if you really want to get the whole story, you'd have to read Kings and Chronicles together because yeah. there's, there's little additions to things in Chronicles that are not in here, but it would, <laughs> you talk about taking forever to get through it now if we were adding mm-hmm. in right. everything out of Chronicles, <laughs> it really would be a lifelong study. But uh, in Second Chronicles uh, 6.13, it says, Now he had made a bronze platform, talking about Solomon, uh, five cubits long, five cubits wide, and three cubits high, and had placed it in the center of the center court, or the outer court, he stood on the platform and then knelt down before the whole assembly of Israel and spread out his hands uh, toward heaven. So he had made a, uh, there was a plan to pray. It wasn't just, you know, spur of the moment, well, I guess we ought to pray a prayer of dedication over this thing. I mean, he had put a platform up so people would be able to, and I hate to say so they'd be able to see him, but uh, we have platforms. Sometimes you use the platform. Sometimes you're down on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not about um, placing yourself above people. It's about getting in a position where people can see and hear uh, what you've got to say. So uh, these prayers of dedication, and I've said many times, we we pray many prayers of dedication. We dedicate our children. We dedicate uh, marriages. We have prayer over marriages. We have buildings and churches and things that we pray those prayers of dedication and and that's all this is here it's a you know that dedication is acknowledging god's help in whatever it is that we're uh, whatever it is that we're doing and sometimes we don't want to pray we don't pray at the beginning you know we think we get into something we think it's just us and you know we'll just do this thing and then we get in there and start having some problems and it's like well maybe i should have uh, <laughs> you know maybe i should have prayed over this maybe i should have had a plan Plan to pray, I guess, is is the issue. I've heard people talk about uh, different ways that they pray, and again, you could or the ways they pray. But uh, I heard Brother Graham say many times he just rolls out of bed on his onto his knees, you know, <laughs> and that's the very first thing. And I admire that because, man, I roll out of bed, and the first thing I got to have is some coffee. And some, <laughs> I'm not awake enough to talk to the Lord. I think he would right. say, come back when you wake up. Right, yes. <laughs> you're, you're rambling, and you're, you're still asleep. So um, anyway, 8.23, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven alone or heaven above on, on earth below. You who keeps your covenant of love with your servants who continue wholeheartedly in your way. So again, it's very evident that Solomon wasn't uh, selfish. He's coming right in to acknowledge uh, what God has done in all of these things. And I, I just asked the question. I thought about it. Are prayers significant enough to be recorded? There's recorded prayers all through the Bible. You can buy books that have the prayers. Uh, you know, and we go through cycles. I remember several years ago uh, they talked about the prayer of Jabez. Yep. You know, yeah. that was one of those that <laughs> was a blessing. It was a prayer, and everybody had – they actually printed a little book called The Prayer of Jabez. Yep. And people I had those it. little books, you know, that, <laughs> because that was a, a prayer. And I, I've mentioned before, and I, this is not about taking away from the Lord's Prayer, 
but we th- we think when the disciples said teach us how to pray and you know almost everybody who's been in church any length of time can recite you know if they can't do anything else they can recite John 3:16 and the Lord's prayer all right you know? <laughs> but uh, that prayer may not have been just an original thing that Jesus came up with off the top of his head I, I don't know if the disciples stood around like wow you know we never thought to pray about that yeah Write it down. Yeah, and I'm not. <laughs> and I'm not. Again, I'm not trying to belittle what Jesus did, but there was a Jewish prayer that was around before uh, Jesus ever was born, and it was the Jewish Amidah, and it's 21 uh, prayers or 21 categories of things to pray. I've taught that here on a Wednesday night. We've actually read through it because they do read through it in uh, in a synagogue. Priest, it's a responsive type thing. Priest reads through it. Congregation reads through the other part to respond. Priest reads. Congregation reads. It's, yeah. And almost all of these things in the Lord's Prayer are in that Amidah prayer. So there's some who, again, not taking away from what Jesus did, but that it was almost like a shortened version of the Amidah prayer that Jesus, as a Jew, you know, we forget Sometimes we think all these Jewish things are kind of crazy, ridiculous things, but he was a Jew. Right. And <laughs> yes, he was. He practiced those things. He probably wore a yarmulke, and he probably, I mean, obviously he had a prayer shawl that talks about his the hem of his garment has to do with the tassels that were on the, the garment, the prayer tassels, those kind of things. So, uh, so, And I think just on a very practical level that uh, reading prayers or reading Scripture as a prayer is a good thing and can be yes. a good thing for your spiritual life. I mean, we were talking about this before we hit the record button. I guess I would fall under what is considered the Pentecostal category. Right. And I would say in that category, uh, reading prayers is not really popular right. in, in amongst the Pentecostals. Right. Uh, it almost would be like that's liturgical. or mm-hmm. But there's a real beauty to that. There's a real, you know, I, you talked about the read and response. Right. You know, that's not really something that's done a lot in right. uh, Pentecostal churches, if you will. But I remember I was in a church not long ago that was doing the read and response. And maybe I'm just getting old and boring now or something. But I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of nice. You know, that mm-hmm. that's kind of cool when we read and respond to the word together. It's a very beautiful thing right. to do. And so maybe if you're in your own personal life trying to learn how to pray, knowing that that's okay, you know, because right. sometimes it is. Sometimes you, you know, in your prayer life, you're like, well, I don't, I don't know what to pray. I just pray to give me a good day, and uh, I don't know what else to say. Right. Well, re- read a prayer. Read Scripture as prayer uh, is a great starting place. Well, I, I have struggled with prayer many times because my mind wanders, you know, and we well, boy, you're not very spiritual if you can't keep your mind on Jesus for a little while. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I mean, I have a business. I'm in construction. There's lots of times I'll be praying, and it's like, oh, Lord, help this person. Oh, Lord, heal them. You know the struggle they're going through. And, Lord, i got to put windows in today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like my yeah. mind goes somewhere. And Jew, uh, the Jewish uh, religion then and now is very reading. I mean, they have prayer books, you know, with categories of prayers and morning prayers and noon prayers and those kind of things. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you are, uh, as long as you mean it, as long as you're not just right, reading yep. the words so you can fulfill your duty. In other words, uh, there's nothing wrong. A lot of people talk about writing prayers down and I've never really done that. 
Stella is a, uh, she takes notes on every sermon, every Sunday school class. She's a note taker, and she's really a good writer. And many times she's written prayers out, written things down, and it's like, there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. And I think the Lord probably would appreciate that you took the time, (laughs) you know, to write it out. And people have prayer journals, and they, they, uh, if they have requests, then they come back later and see those things that I prayed about, how many of those things have happened. Yeah. You know, how many prayers were answered or how were they answered. So, uh, and I think a lot of people talk about they do that for a year and then they throw it away. They start over mm. so that they're not stuck in, you know, the old things that becomes yeah. fresh and new uh, <laughs> the next year. So uh, we just get way too stuck in this is the way to do it. Yeah. This is the way to pray. This is the way to read. Um, anyway, we better move on from there. But, um, uh, and then it, there's a there's a word that was kind of it's not actually the word that's in here, but it talks about fulfilling and keeping uh, promises. And we we think in our culture that if I keep a promise, that means that I told you, I promised you I would be at church. So when I show up at church, I kept my promise. But then there's another version of that that talks about that God keeps the promise. In other words, he he keeps it in it. Mary pondered these things in her heart, that he keeps a promise in him until it's time to be fulfilled. So just because God said, I'm going to do this, and we didn't put ourselves in the right position, in other words, um, God says, I'm going to send revival to Grace Point Assembly of God. We know that's probably going to be conditional. We're going to need to pray. We're going to need to mm-hmm. live right. We're going to need to fast. We're going to need to do some things. So the fact that we don't have revival doesn't mean that he's not still keeping or holding on to the promise of that as soon as we get in line, as soon as we take care of the yeah. things we need to take care of, then there will be revival. But we don't like that part. Well, yeah. God promised there'd be revival, so next Sunday... You know, the pulpit should melt down with fire, and, uh, you know, we should have revival, and people should flock into this church and be lined up outside the doors. And, you know, I've heard many people over many years talk about a revival here at this church, that they believe this church is going to be a... Now, is that a canned statement from... Do they say that to every church they... Right. As an evangelist? Mm-hmm. Everywhere do they go? Do they, oh, this church is going to be the catalyst for the revival, you know? But... So I've heard it many times over, but we've never seen what I would call the magnificent revival Mm. where hundreds of people are getting saved. People are lined up outside the door. There's miracles. Uh, You know, I mean, we've seen bits and pieces of that, but never what you would call the full-blown revival that changes a city. Mm. That's what revival does. Yeah. It doesn't just change me or you. It changes a city. So. So anyway, uh, that's just talking about the fulfillment of the promises, and that's what he's saying, God, you have done what you said you would do. Uh, 24, again, he goes on, you have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. With your mouth you have promised, and with your hand you have fulfilled it as it is today. So he's just saying this is exactly what you said you would do, and now uh, we see it that it's happened, The, the word you spoke. In other words, it came through the prophet Ahijah, I think, is is where Solomon got his words about building and that it was time to build and how to build. 
David laid a lot of it out, but then uh, God spoke to him. So he's just saying, you spoke it, Lord. I heard you say this is what to do, and now I've done it. So Mm -hmm. 825, now, Lord God of Israel, keep your servant David, my father, the promises you made him or made to him when you said you shall never fail to have a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your sons are careful in all they do to walk before me as you have done. So these are promises that have gone back for generations. In other words, we can say uh, you promised this to David. You promised this to other people that this thing. I mean, obviously Moses knew that that tabernacle was not always going to be the dwelling place for the ark. I think he probably foresaw. So these things are, are generation, and it's, it's uh, you know, the promise of the second coming has been for the past generation. You know, they thought that he was going to come in their lifetime. Right, yeah. So that promise has been for all generations, and now we still stand on it for our future. Whether it's today, tomorrow, or 100 years from now, we're still standing on that promise. Uh, but one thing that, and I've said it many times over, and I'm sure every pastor has preached it, there are promises with conditions, and we don't like that. We just want to say, you know, you promised this, and so why should mm-hmm. we not? You know, why <laughs> should we not have it? And it says to your um, to your sons that you won't have anybody to fail to sit on the throne, but that's all so conditional. It says if only your sons are careful in all they do to walk before me as you have done, and we can't. This is not. These are not statements of perfection. This doesn't mean that uh, every son had to live a perfect life, that he never made any mistakes, that he never turned away from God for a day. That's We can't expect perfection. But when we read these things, it sounds like, oh, God saying, man, if you make a mistake, then all you know, it's all off. My <laughs> yeah. promise doesn't stand anymore. And I never, I've never known, and nobody can come up with a number, but I don't know what percentage – of in other words, what what percentage of those sons' lives had to be in line with God, right, right, <laughs> in order for that <laughs> yeah, promise to be true. fulfilled? You know, what percentage of our lives do we have to be good to go to heaven? That's the way a lot of people look at it. How and I coming up somewhere in these studies, I, I branch off because it talks about the feast and uh, talks about some judgment days and things like that, and being weighed in the scales. And the Bible does talk about that, being weighed in the scales and found wanting. In other words, uh, the the scales didn't tip to your favor. <laughs> and, you know, that's always – I've always asked myself that question, and we try to simplify it. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, that that's, mm-hmm. that's it. But there are times I've thought, what if I'm not – you know, <laughs> what if I'm yeah. not quite good? What if I'm deceived? What if I just think I'm – saved what if i stand before god and he's you know sorry i never knew you kind of thing and i think I, not that we need to doubt our salvation but it probably is a good thing to right it's like last night at church i for literally thought in my brain it was church is going to start at six o'clock and uh-huh. like it's really six thirty and six o'clock i'm like there's nobody here literally i missed the rapture <laughs> oh man i knew it well, as a kid, you know, the, the movies um, Left Behind. Yeah. Left Behind. <laughs> Actually, before that, I can't remember what it was. The, anyway, there was an old one that was, of course, they were really cheesy back then, you know, but there was one of those movies that was, you know, the rapture happened and the kid comes home from school and 
mom and dad aren't there and he turns on the tv and realizes that something has happened and mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean i was i was probably i don't know 10 12 years old scared me to death yeah <laughs> i mean every time i would come home and mom and dad weren't there uh. i think i missed it so um i don't know where we got off on that but <laughs> but anyway um uh it, it was a promise with condition and then uh, 26 says and now O god of israel let your word that you promised your servant david my father come true and he's still uh, it's almost some of these verses you could probably skip you know i don't like to skip the parts of the bible i don't like but man it just goes over and over again talking about god fulfilling his promise here in this prayer of, of dedication and we don't need to remind god of his promises he knows what his promises are most of the time when we say things like well i relate it to parents you know we you can get an ice cream you know after supper you can have ice cream and then after supper it's like no you can't have ice cream what does a kid say but you promised (laughs) you know we're reminding so i don't think god is offended that we say lord your word says this yeah your word promised this is a promise you know i'm just i don't think there's anything wrong with asking god to keep his promises yeah you know he's not a liar he doesn't say something and then not do it so uh if if we're praying for something that's not happening we're either praying for something totally out of the will of God, something we didn't understand, that he has a higher plan. Mm-hmm. I've prayed for many things that didn't happen, but it wasn't – God didn't lie about it. I just misunderstood something yeah. along the way. So anytime your prayer is not answered, there's there's a reason for it, and it's not because God doesn't keep his promise, but because he does. And, and we have to tell ourselves that. I have to say that constantly because – the tendency of i don't care if you're a christian or non-christian the tendency is you start feeling like god's not really there i know i read that in the bible but i don't see it happening and you know there's doubts i don't care Mm -hmm. how strong you are there are doubts that come in once in a while and you have to say i i need to i need to wipe that doubt away because god is faithful and he's not a liar it's impossible that what is they always said what's the one thing that's impossible for god to do and that's to lie i i heard it's kind of a silly illustration but i heard somebody say one time if god walked in this room and said uh and you said this is a microphone and god said no that's a tree it would become a tree <laughs> i mean <laughs> right yeah because what he says <laughs> is the truth right so he couldn't say it was a tree if it wasn't a tree, yep. and it would become a tree because his word causes things to happen as he speaks. So, And we make lots of promises that we can't keep, which is a difference in God has the ability to keep every promise he's ever made. Amen. For us, we promise, um, and I've said it many times, but we promise our kids, you can be anything you want to be. You can do anything you want to do. But that's not the truth. Right. We don't have – it takes God-given abilities sometimes. You can't just decide, well, I'm going to go to school and learn how to – now, if you say, I'm going to be a lawyer, and we should encourage it, well, you know what? Go to school. Be a lawyer. You know, your kids, be a ninja. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> go to ninja <laughs> that school. That lives in Florida. <laughs> right. But uh, um, 
anyway, we, we tell our kids things like that. You can be president of the United States. Well, maybe, maybe they can be. But when you say, uh, the kid says, I want to be a professional basketball player, that's going to depend on right. a lot of things. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much you practice. And I heard one of, I was watching an NBA game the other day, and I don't remember who it was, but they were talking about the difficulty of this kid. He's not a kid then, but of being raised by a single mother and those kind of things. But it said that she would drive him three hours one way to basketball camp because wow. she believed that he would be someday a great – she saw something in him, mm. believed that he would be a great player, and she would drive him three three hours one way. She would drive to take him to practice. Now, God sees things in us that we don't see, but not every kid's going to be a basketball player. If, if I could have – I've said many times, if I could have had what I would call the ultimate job taking away from – uh, the amount of talent I had, but if I could just make a wish, I guess, and have the, I'd be a professional basketball player. You know, it's like I love. Uh, we walked into um, a few weeks ago. We walked into a gymnasium where they were doing the uh, BMX bike mm-hmm. thing for yep. the, the stunt dudes there. Right? Well, we went there and we walked in, and Stella's like, "Oh man, it stinks in here," you know? <laughs> but it just it smelled like basketball. Yeah. I, I don't know if that makes right. sense. Yeah. But it, it smelled a little sweaty and stale. But I thought, you know what? Basketball courts are kind of like that. Yep. You know? And, and I go to a basketball game, and I smell the popcorn. And, I, man, it takes me right back yes. to the basketball court in high school. And I loved that. And so, uh, you know, but I know I never had that ability. I wasn't given that kind of an ability to do that. So, so we need to be careful about promises yeah. that we make. That, now you know we're not to take Stella. Yeah. Moral of the yeah, story. Don't take her to the <laughs> sweaty basketball game. So and and the other one is the soldier that, you know, the wife says, Promise me you'll come home. I promise I'll come home. Well, there's lots of things, you know, I guess you should say I'll do my best, but <laughs> and you don't want to sound negative, but we need to be careful about our promises that we make. So uh twenty seven. But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I have built? So it's not a doubt coming from Solomon. I mean, he knows that that temple is a, uh, is a thing from God, and, and it, it represents the presence. But we've said it many times and on this podcast and everywhere else, his presence dwells everywhere. And there was something about that time, but even Solomon said you know, we can say, oh, the presence was in the temple. But his presence had to be everywhere. I mean, earth would fall apart without his presence. Mm-hmm. I, I think it would cease to exist without his presence here. Yeah, And so it represented that. It was a place to go. It was God's direction for things for that time. But his presence is not, I mean, it, it's a rhetorical question. Mm-hmm. It, yep. can, can we contain his presence? No. We can't contain his presence. And we can say this church doesn't contain it, but we can go further than that. The other churches don't contain it, and the denomination doesn't contain it. You know, we don't just have God's presence and everybody else. I I can remember, I won't say who it is, (laughs) but I can remember as a teenager one time I said, I was still in high school, and I was talking to people. We had a Bible club at high school, and it was all kinds of, 
It was the Nazarenes, the Methodists, the Baptists. Everybody was there. We'd have 30 kids that would show up, you know, once a week for Bible study. And, um, you know, there was no feeling of containing, like, well, my religion's got it, but your religion. I mean, we were able to get together and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, minister together or whatever, but we realized that none of our denominations were. And so I remember talking to uh, a girl who was uh, Mormon, and she had the Book of Mormon. And I took it from her and was just, you know, reading a few verses. Well, it was funny because I came to one of those verses that's like, what? You know? Okay. Because a lot of it's our Bible. Right. I mean, yep. it's just with variation, the Jehovah's yep. Witness. Same thing. Same Bible, just their own spin on yes, it, if you will. Right. And the one verse in there was um, that at eight years old, a child reaches the age of accountability. So they, you know, we talk about the age of accountability. But we say, well, that's dependent on maturity of a of a child and lots of circumstances. But they put a date on it. Okay. And so, in in other words, in the youth group, I said one time, I said, uh, you know, I think we should learn about other denominations so that we can have a legitimate conversation. You know, I can't. Yeah. Not. I don't mean to say argue with. Yeah. But if I'm talking to the Baptist, the Methodist, whoever it is, if I'm talking to them and they're talking about their belief that's different than mine, well, I don't want to just say, well, you know, I mean, we, ours is the right way. I want to understand why they believe what they do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we act like as as Assembly of God, I mean, I've been raised in this church as Assembly of God. Sometimes we act like, well, everybody else is just a fool. Right. <laughs> you know, we've yeah. we've got it and everybody else is just ignorant. And that's not the case or we act like they just pulled something out of the air. Well, mm-hmm. we're going to believe this. Right. And you know what? They had great theologians. I mean, the Baptists have theologians and the yeah. Methodists have yeah. theologians. Those guys have studied far more than mm-hmm. I'm ever going to study. <laughs> right. And that's where they came up with their doctrines. Yeah. And so you can't just but anyway i said that in in the youth meeting one night and the it was a pastor's wife but she said uh, no we don't need to do that because they're just wrong <laughs> that was and we never talked about it again yeah <laughs> you know, so that's great uh, there's a mentality they are out there wrong, yeah well you know, we know they are but we won't we won't <laughs> say that on the podcast for public but anyway um we probably should wind up right there. Awesome. Well, Rick, thank you for taking us through the word each and every week. Verse by verse, Rick Maynard, listen to all the other podcast episodes with Rick Maynard. You can get caught up, but we're in first Kings. Hope that you're reading through that, that you find encouragement, the things that we're communicating to you that we're giving you, give you some encouragement as well, but just get in the word and we'll talk to you guys next time. 